Hey, hey, good morning. We're going to warm up uh, as people are walking in. Feel free to stand and join us when you are ready. Father, thank you that you have loved us. You didn't even spare your own son, 
which is uh, mind-blowing. I thank you, Father, that we stand here to worship you because of your grace and your goodness. Would you help us this morning, Holy Spirit, to relax into your presence, to let all of the distractions and all of the stuff that just rattles around in our minds, just help us to let it go and lay them down at your feet so that we can receive the joy of your presence. Yes, Lord, thank you for being with us. We love you. Amen.
stirs the soul What matters come to mind The cares you keep The thoughts you think It's not always the time Seeking you will find Joy still comes in the morning, hope still walks with the We praise you, Lord, this morning. There is still good news worth repeating, and you are it. Your love is it. We thank you for the wild love 
of your gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ for us. It really is good. And we worship you this morning. Amen. You can take a seat. All right. So uh, my name is Andy. I'm one of the pastors here. Welcome to Lakeview Church. We're glad you're worshiping with us today. And it's at this time that we would like to dismiss the kids uh, up through fifth grade to go downstairs to Lakeview Kids. Uh, so kids, go ahead and head on out. And um, I do want to also say to, this Sunday is the first Sunday that Jesse and Joe Bariga are officially on staff. Oh, so... <clears throat> The Barigas are a familiar family at Lakeview. They've been here for a long time, but they're uh, joining our ministry team. And so we're excited that uh, about their ministry and youth and children's ministries. Uh, so grab your Bible, turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Uh, we're going to finish our series through Ecclesiastes today. And while you're finding Ecclesiastes 12, uh, let me just share a couple of quick announcements with you. Tonight is the first gospel community night at 5.30 p.m. We'll have popcorn. We're going to watch The Chosen Season 1, Episode 1 together in here. Um, and so bring your own soft drinks, bring whatever snacks you want, uh, come and we'll, it's just a good time to gather as the family of God and uh, watch a really great series uh, about Jesus. Um, so uh, that's tonight. And then also this week, Wednesday, uh, youth group kicks off for the fall. So uh, that's at 6.30. If you've got kids from 6th grade through 12th grade, uh, bring them on out here at 6.30 on Wednesday night. And we will be starting youth group uh, this week. I think that's all the announcements I have uh, right now. Um, so we're going to be finishing out our series in Ecclesiastes. We'll look at chapter 12, 9 through 14, the end of the book. And what I have for you today is not so much of a sermon as it is a meditation on this book and on everything that God has been speaking to us through his word uh, this summer. And so let, let's get into it this way. Um, we've been working in our basement lately. Um, we're looking to add a bedroom down there. I've got four kids, four boys, and uh, yeah, we're just running out of space. So we've been trying to finish out some space in our, in our basement, add a bedroom downstairs. And I have uh, learned over the course of that, I'm not super handy, but you know, YouTube can teach you anything. Um, I've learned over the course of this project that having the right tool to do the right job makes a world of difference. Right? So different tools are designed for different purposes. If I'm drilling into my concrete floor in the basement to set an anchor for a wall, I need a hammer drill. A normal drill won't get through the concrete, right? So a hammer drill is what you need. And, and there's different tools and they do different things. And the idea is that using the right tool, the way it was designed to be used, produces the best outcome. Not only in the quality of your work, but also in the level of your stress and frustration along the way. Let's take that same analogy and apply it to human beings. All right, what is the purpose of this tool and how can I use it in that purpose? What about human beings? What is the purpose of a human being? Why do human beings exist? What, what, did, why, what are we supposed to be? What are we supposed to do? What is the purpose of a human being? That's the question we've been wrestling with throughout Ecclesiastes. Because just like using the right tool for the right job produces the best outcome, understanding the purpose for a human being and then pursuing and fulfilling that purpose produces the best life. And we've been asking this question, really the, the question of what is the purpose of a human being is really the question, what is the good life. 
That's the question we've been wrestling with all summer in the book of Ecclesiastes. And Solomon, who uh, uh, authored this book, is, has explored all these different avenues of what the good life might be. Because in Solomon's day, it wasn't so much different than our day. Everybody has some angle on what the good life is. Everybody has some perspective. Everybody has some opinion. Everybody has some thought about what the good life really is. Every commercial you see on TV is selling you a product that promises to give you the good life. Every politician that runs for office promises to enact legislation that will give you the good life. Every social justice or activist cause that exists promises that if we can just fix this society or this problem with justice or whatever it is, then we'll reach the good life. Everybody has an opinion. Every news channel, every Instagram post, every TikTok video is telling you what the good life is. So we've been spending our summer looking in this book to see what God has to say about the good life. Solomon explored all these different avenues and he comes, he journaled his thoughts, compiled into the book of Ecclesiastes and now we come to the very end to his conclusions as to what the good life actually is. So uh, we don't do this very often, but I wonder if you would stand with me as we read Ecclesiastes 12, 9 through 14. We stand, if you're physically able to stand, please do. We stand because this is not just any other book off the self-help shelf. Uh, It is God's word. And so we stand in reverence and respect for it. Here's Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 9. Besides being wise, the preacher also taught people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. By the way, many of those we have in the book of Proverbs uh, that Solomon arranged for us. Verse 10, the preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he wrote words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads, and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd, My son, beware of anything beyond these. Of making many books, there is no end. And much study is a weariness of the flesh. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. This is the word of the Lord. You can have a seat. I have a meditation on this passage, the book of Ecclesiastes to share with you this morning. The question is, what is the purpose of a human being or what is the good life? Solomon has explored every avenue that he could find and the conclusion he comes to, he he boils it all down to a single sentence. Look at verse 13. The end of the matter, all has been heard. I've said everything I need to say and here it is in one sentence. The, The purpose of a human being is this, fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. The entire purpose and reason for which human beings exist is to fear God and keep his commandments. All the the book of Ecclesiastes boiled down in one sentence. Jesus put it this way. When one of the religious leaders came and asked him which commandment is the most important one of all, Jesus said in Mark chapter 12, verse 29, the most important is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. 
Jesus said the whole purpose for which human beings were created is to know that the Lord our God is one and to love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And secondarily, to love your neighbor as yourself. This is the reason why we exist. Theologians in the mid-1600s reflected on scripture and they put it in their words this way. In the Westminster Shorter Catechism, it says, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. If we're going to reflect and meditate on Ecclesiastes and come to this conclusion and then frame it in our own words for us today, we might say it this way. The good life is to know and love God. This is Solomon's conclusion. The best life is to know and love God. God, to to glorify God and enjoy him forever, to fear the Lord and keep his commandments, to know that God is one and love him with all your being and love others as yourself. This is the meaning of life. This is the reason we exist. This is the purpose of a human being. We were created to know and to love God. You know the saying, whenever you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail? We might say this, when you're a human, Everything looks like a God. Because we were created to worship, to love, to know, and to serve God. So we, we look at this and we say, oh, career, this, is a, this must be it. This is where ultimate meaning is found. Or, or pleasure, this must be where ultimate meaning is found. Or alcohol, I'm enslaved to it, this is my God now. Or money, or success, or popularity, or status, or whatever it is. Everything we see looks like a God to us because we were created to know and love the true God. And the meaning of life and the good life is found... When we know and love God. So let's look back and reflect on Ecclesiastes and see how this conclusion sheds light on the rest of the book. It's been kind of a challenging book. Uh, It's not been uh, all sunshine and butterflies. There's been a lot of heavy stuff in this book, but it all comes to light and and, and connection when we see Solomon's conclusion applied back through the rest of his reflection. So let's just look and see. Here are some of the things that Solomon has taught us in Ecclesiastes this summer. The good life is to know and love God. So he says, look, enjoy life, but know and love God who is your joy. Life is finite. It's limited. We're all going to die. We've seen that over and over and over again in Ecclesiastes. And Solomon says, look, enjoy the good things that God has given you to enjoy. Enjoy family. Enjoy friends. Enjoy relationships. Enjoy these things. Live every day in the moment. But don't think that the pursuit of happiness will bring you the good life. It won't. The good life is only found in knowing and loving God. He is the source of our joy. He's taught us to seek wisdom, but to know and love God, who is the author of truth. Wisdom is a good thing, except when it's a bad thing. Education is important. Work hard in school. Achieve success. Do your best and learn. Knowledge is valuable. Wisdom is even more valuable. Solomon says, but don't start thinking that the, the higher you go in education, the more letters you have after your name, the more books that you've read, that somehow that's where the good life is found. Greater education and greater advancement in science and technology won't produce the good life that we all think it might. The good life is found in knowing and loving God who is the author of truth. So don't let your knowledge lead you away from God. Uh, He also has told us in Ecclesiastes to work hard, but to know and love God who created you for good work. 
Career is good, work hard, show up on time, do your best, but don't think that the good life is found in climbing the next rung of the career ladder and getting that raise of, of achieving that career success. That's not where the good life ultimately is found. God has created you for good work. Do that good work and know and love him in the process. Solomon says, fight for justice, but know and love God who is the just judge. One of the main themes throughout Ecclesiastes has been the idea that injustice is inevitable. There's always oppression and injustice in the world around us and there always will be until Christ returns. Why? Because of the way we live and the things we value. When we live the way we do and value the things we value today, of course there is injustice in the world. We shouldn't be surprised by it. But we're called to, to stand against injustice and to fight for justice, and that's a good thing. But Solomon says, don't forget about the God who is the just judge because knowing and loving God changes who you are. It changes how we live and the things that we value. And for, for the first time in Jesus Christ, we see that justice is actually possible to achieve. Solomon has taught, taught us to manage our money well. But to know and love God, who is our provider. The good life is not found in how many zeros you have after your uh, paycheck. It's not found in how, many, uh, how much money you have saved up in the bank or what your retirement account's doing or what you're going to leave to your children. It's not found in the, the stuff and the brands of the clothes or the cars, uh, the clothes you wear, or the cars you drive. Manage your money well, but don't think that accumulating more stuff is going to bring you the happiness that you want. No, love, lo know and love God, who is your provider. Solomon's taught us to become a guru of serenity, but know and love God who is your peace. Again, another major theme throughout Ecclesiastes has been that uh, life is beyond our control. The whole idea that we can control aspects of life is an illusion. So we should uh, embrace serenity, which is the acceptance of the things that are beyond our control. Solomon says, in your quest for, uh, for peace and for uh, emotional health and for serenity, don't start thinking that those things will bring you the good life because they won't. The good life comes from knowing and loving and trusting God. Because everything in life might be outside of our control, but nothing in life is outside of his control. So we trust his sovereignty and his goodness and his faithfulness. And in him, we find peace. Solomon's taught us to become a virtuous person but to know and love God who loves you unconditionally. It's great to pursue virtue and morality, but don't get self-righteous and start looking down your nose at people who sin differently than you do and saying, well, your sin is worse than mine, therefore I'm better than you. Don't start thinking that because we're so good that God loves us. God loves you unconditionally. And even when you fail and even when you fall and even when you miss the mark, God's love does not change. See, virtue is the cause, is the effect, not the cause. Virtue does not cause God to love us. It's, in, it's because God loves us that we can even become virtuous people. So Solomon says, be, become a virtuous person, but know and love God who loves you unconditionally. And the last uh, reflection I want to pull out of this book that we've been in all summer is this. Uh, know and love the Bible, but know and love God who is the word who became flesh. You might say, now wait a minute, isn't knowing the Bible the same thing as knowing God? I read my Bible every day, don't I know God? Not necessarily. 
To know the Bible is not necessarily to know God. And to cite the Bible is not necessarily to communicate God's word. Many, many people today know a lot about the Bible, but they don't know and love God. Their lives are not a reflection of the knowledge that they have obtained in Scripture. Are they more loving? Are they more patient? Are they more forgiving? Are they more gracious? Are they more kind? Are they uh, more long-suffering with others? Are they more humble? Right? Do, do their lives reflect the life of Christ in Scripture? Many people know all kinds of things about the Bible, but they don't know and love God. I was just talking with uh, my two older boys, Asher and Jack, last week about uh, why it's important to have a quiet time. Asher's 11, Jack's 9, and I'm, I'm trying to instill in them a habit of a daily time with God. Hopefully it will carry through their teenage years and into adulthood. And we were talking about why it's important to sit down with your Bible and to read a little bit and then to pray every day. Why, why does that matter? And as we were talking about it, uh, one of the things that we talked about was this. The purpose of having a quiet time is not to learn something from the Bible. Before you get out your tomatoes and start pelting me. Some of you will walk out of here this morning and say, my pastor told me I don't have to read the Bible to learn stuff from it. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this, the purpose of a quiet time is not to learn something from the Bible, but it is to spend time with God. Now, we use the Bible as the place in which we meet with God. God inspired the words of this book. God most often speaks directly to us through the words of Scripture. And along the way, we will learn many things from the Bible. But learning things from the Bible isn't the main point. The point is to spend time with God, to know and love God. Solomon has taught us in Ecclesiastes to enjoy life, to seek wisdom, to work hard, to fight for justice, to manage our money well, to be gurus of serenity, to be virtuous people, and to know the Bible. And all of these things are good things, but none of these things will lead us to the good life apart from knowing and loving God. None of these things can accomplish the good life without knowing and loving God. And if we do all of those things and yet we fail to know and love God, we have missed the entire point and purpose of life. This is Solomon's conclusion. The good life is to know and love God. This is what human beings were created for. And we know as Christians that following Jesus means living a life of knowing and loving God forever. That's the whole meaning of, of, of being a Christian is to know and love God forever. Being a Christian isn't about uh, raising your hand and repeating a prayer. It's not about signing a little card or signing a, a membership contract or anything like that. Being a Christian is about living a life, that, a life of knowing and loving God forever. So to, to the good life is to know and love God. Following Jesus is living a life of knowing and loving God forever. Therefore, the logical conclusion is 
following Jesus is the good life now and forever. This is what it means to live the good life. This is where the good life is found. It is found in a relationship with Christ. It is found in following Jesus and knowing and loving God. The, 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 the razor that they're trying to sell you in the TV commercial, the next politician, the next president of the United States, the next social activist cause, the next whatever, will not bring you the good life that you desire. The good life is found in following Jesus and knowing and loving God forever. This is why we follow Jesus. This is why we're Christians, because it's what we were created to do, and it's who we were created to be. What is the purpose of a human being? It is to know and love God forever. And Jesus is the way, the truth, and the good life now and for all eternity. Let's reflect on that with worship.